0: Well, we are so happy that you made the choice to be with us today in an assembly that is designed to worship God, to honor Christ, to learn and be motivated, to be engaged daily as followers of Jesus Christ. Throughout this year, on the first Sunday of each month, I'm delivering a series of sermons, And the title is, Who Will Follow Jesus? It is this simple. We are using Scripture to study various aspects of what it means to follow Christ. In all of this, we are urging you to follow Jesus, and we are urging present followers of Christ to continue to persevere in that good way of life. One of the earlier sermons was Following Jesus to His Church. And another was Following Jesus to Scripture. But today, I'm going to introduce another aspect of following Jesus. And this may not sound attractive when you first hear the title. I promise this is an authentic scriptural idea. Following Jesus into battle. Let me explain. I know that we are horrified by the reality of war and the prospect of war. Just the word may raise thoughts and images of bloodshed and loss and pain and destruction and all the cost involved in combat. And, of course, we prefer peace over war. Yet, there is a greater battle that has been waged since the Garden of Eden, the conflict between right and wrong. God and Satan have been at odds historically, each vying for the souls of men and women. God's interest and grace is for our present and eternal good. Satan's aim is to ruin our lives now and with crushing pain eternally. You are somewhere in this battle. You're on one side or you are on the other because there is no safety zone There is no neutral territory. And I need to look at my life and inquire, which side am I on? And you need to do the same. Whose side are you on? God or Satan? And here's a question to punctuate the enormity of what we're talking about today. When the battle is over and everybody goes home, where will home be for you? When the battle is over and everybody goes home, where will home be for you? Who will follow Jesus into battle against Satan and for the victory promised by God? See, the Bible uses the imagery of combat to help us understand the serious war that is ongoing between God and Satan. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, Jesus is the captain of our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 6, that will come up in a moment or two, we are called to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles of the devil. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, With Timothy, we are to wage the good warfare. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we are not to wage according to the flesh, but God has provided power to destroy strongholds and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. The Bible clearly indicates that we are to be at war on the side of God against the wilds of the devil who is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. My question for us today is who will follow Jesus into battle and let him lead you to eternal victory? And remember when the battle is over and everybody goes home where will home be for you? There are three things I want to say about this this morning. Number one, God equips His people to win. Be ready with me in Ephesians 6. God equips His people to win. Historically, actual wars here on earth often result in the defeat of an unprepared military. In the battled strategy, in the firepower and the terrain of combat, it often happens that one side suffers loss because they were not prepared. Military planners and historians sometimes will list the common causes of defeat. And the list will sound something like this lack of intelligence, poor outdated equipment, bad timing, lack of training, inefficient leadership, the wrong weapons, or no will to fight, an absence of courage. In the Lord's army, in our battle for God against Satan, We have no excuse when it comes to equipment. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Is there anything missing that we need? The list of equipment God provides is complete. So we don't have to invent and forge new weapons every generation. We don't have to beg and borrow. There is no need to invent weapons to supplement what God has provided. As we follow Jesus and take our orders from Him, and as we are nourished by the Word, we are perfectly equipped to go into battle and defeat the enemy and stay on God's side. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. As a soldier in the Lord's army, I need to think like the Lord. And the only way I can learn how to think like the Lord is to read what the Lord thought and said and did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you discover that the mind of Christ was set firmly against the enemy. And the mind of Christ was filled with the love of God. And the mind of Christ had no divided loyalty and no room for any compromise. Christians must adopt that frame of mind. It's all about how God equips us to win the battle who will follow Jesus into battle i hope that this building is now filled with people who are determined to fight against the wilds of the devil by using the equipment god has provided the only way we can advance in the battle is to realize where our strength lies It is in using what God has provided. None of us are strong enough within ourselves to go out and defeat the enemy. The battle is to be fought and won side by side among people who are using what God has provided. As Paul wrote in one place, 2 Corinthians 6, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the Word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. That's how we win and stay on the right side and stand against the wiles of the devil. If you seek victory against the devil in your life, And if we continue together to be good soldiers, it will not be because we came up with a plan and we invented our weapons and we came up with some great strategies. It will be because we put ourselves under the plan of God and we use the armor that he provides that we have when we are nourished and trained by his word. It is essential to trust your leader if you're going to go into battle. One of the factors that degrades a military unit is the members of the unit do not trust their leader. Never a good outcome for that. When I was in Army basic training, 1966. We had a second lieutenant. Had a very interesting name. This was his real name, Lieutenant Butcher. And he lived up to that name in his brutal treatment of his men. Now, his arrogance went way beyond the stature of a tough and bold officer. You expect some military boldness. Lieutenant Butcher was brutal. He put himself above the mission and the men and it was widely known among the enlisted men he was grossly incompetent in any kind of leadership skills. He didn't really care about the men or the mission He cared about his own personal ambition and his advancement that he prized above everything. You didn't know what this man was going to do next. And you didn't want to follow him into battle, even field exercises. Inept leaders can be the factor that brings defeat to an army. We have a leader we can trust completely and perfectly every single day. Never expecting that he will do something that would cause our ruin or our loss. Are you in Hebrews 12 with me? Does that give you confidence about our leader? It does me. I have my eyes fixed on a perfect leader. And I know something about him. He doesn't sit at a desk and write orders and shuffle paper. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And let me take you further into this, still in Hebrews 12. Still in Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 14. Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord." Once I understand the perfection of my leader and I know that he died for me to win this battle, my hands are lifted, <clears throat> my knees are strong, my feet are ready for the right path. I'm ready to strive for peace and practice holiness. And then again, listen in Hebrews 12:22 to 25. But you have come to Mount Zion... and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. When you were baptized, you were coming to God through Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. When you were baptized, you were signing an agreement to listen to Him and do what He says. This says, see that you do not refuse Him who is speaking, if you want to win the battle. Nobody has ever led any man or woman in a better way or with better destination than Jesus Christ. Perfect leader. trusting In following Jesus, there is something that can be called assured outcome. Now, human, military, and political leaders may promise that their armies will have victory, but they all know they cannot... Issue a guarantee. Assured outcome may be spoken, but reality betrays it. One of the great statesmen and public speakers was Winston Churchill. He was brilliant at rallying the people and describing the good intentions of his government. But if you listen carefully to Churchill's speeches, there are phrases that indicate he knew he could not give a guarantee. Listen to this excerpt. I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, and they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once again able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is what we're going to try to do. Churchill was eloquent. But wise enough to know, he could not guarantee victory. In our case, as soldiers in the Lord's army, we actually have a guarantee, assuming we stay on the right side of the battle. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, what do you see here? Start with victory. Overcoming the world. Being on the winning side in the end. But what else do you see? Faith Love and obedience. Believing in Jesus Christ, loving God and keeping His commandments, you see faith, love and obedience as a way of life. And the end of that life is victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. One more thing. Satan is a thief. He's not only a liar, he's a thief. And he wants to steal our resolve. He will approach you in various ways to get into your mind and create doubt and build resentment and rob you of your hope and joy and give you a critical spirit about the others in the army. You must keep your mind fixed on the victory of obedient faith and steadfastly refuse to let Satan get in your mind and mess with your faith and turn hope into despair. My good friend D. Bowman said, Soldiers of Christ, arise. There is a noble conflict to be waged. A great work to be done. There's souls to be saved, battles to be won. Our strength is in our leader, Jesus Christ. Let us follow Him and do battle for His cause. He will lead us on to victory. Now, Satan is an expert at warfare and strategy. He can directly assault you with a bold temptation that can be easily recognized but his wiles, his craft, his subtlety, that's his trademark. He's going down to defeat. We are certain of that. But if we are weary and well-doing, if we let our guard down, if we get discouraged and negligent, if we fall into battle fatigue, Satan can drag us out of the trenches over into the POW camp. Let us be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Revelation 2 and verse 7 seems to fit well here. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Who will follow Jesus? Faith is the victory. Let's be standing and sing that.